Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we're not experts. No, we're not. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Indeed, we do, Dori. And just a friendly reminder, before we get started, you can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to everything we mention on the show You can follow us on Twitter at Forever35Pod and Instagram at Forever35Podcast. And you may join the Forever35 Facebook group where the password is serums. And we also have a newsletter, which you can find at Forever35Podcast.com slash newsletter. If you would like to reach us, we have a voicemail number and a text number, 781-591-0390. And you can email us at Forever35Podcast at gmail.com. All of those things are true. Kate. That's all of it. That is all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, how's it going? You know, okay. So you know how we have talked about cold plunging on this podcast? 
Oh, yes. We have talked about it many a time. Past guest Saleka Jawad recommended it as her own self-care practice. I believe we talked about it with the hosts of Eyewitness Beauty when they were on this idea that submerging oneself in cold water resets the nervous system and does amazing things for your mental health. Yes. Well, I kind of did it once. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> it felt really good. You Hadn't yeah. you dabbled in this previously? <sighs> okay. Well, here's the thing. I dabbled in getting into a cold shower and I hated it. I hated every second right, of it. Right, 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 right. Yes, yes, yes. I lasted because Annie from Eyewitness Beauty had said that she, to help with her insomnia, she gets in a cold shower and stands there for 30 minutes before bed. And I was like, oh, that's intriguing. I have trouble sleeping. And I was like, I'll try it. And I lasted 45 seconds. And then I was, you know, there was something about the fact that you just like turn on the shower. And instead of turning it to my usual, like burning hot, I had to leave it at icy cold and then step into the stream of water. Oof. It was very hard <laughs> to just make myself do it. But I'm currently... Uh you know, in New Hampshire, as we have established for the summer with family, and I am near a lake. And the other morning, I woke up at 4am, I had gone to sleep at midnight, I got no sleep, I, I couldn't, Oof. I was my everything was racing, like, Oof. brain racing, heart racing, I couldn't yeah. get the song Castle on the Hill by Ed Sheeran out of my head. Like, you know, when <laughs> a song is so in your head that you're lying there trying to fall asleep, yes. and it's literally like, streaming in your head. Oh my Why gosh, that song? Yes. I don't know. And so finally I woke up at four and I tried to, you know, meditate and try to fall back asleep and that didn't work. And at 5 a.m. I was like, well, I'm going to go swimming. So I went and I plunged into the lake Ooh. and I went for like a very calm dip early in the morning. Now, granted, it is summer. It is a lake. It's not like I, you know, it is swimmable. It's not freezing cold, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really refreshing. And I had to drive three hours that morning to pick my kid up at camp and then drive three hours back on sleep four hours camp, of to sleep. Be clear. We just want Yes, it. yes, not day camp. I was not sending her <laughs> to like an extremely far away <laughs> day camp. She had been at sleepaway camp. Uh. But it was a lot of, you know, it was six and a half hours of driving yes. um, on yes, four yes, hours yes. of sleep, which really makes me kind of nervous. And I felt refreshed. I mean, the I felt so good after the plunge, after the swim. Yeah. It was, it just felt great. Not only that, but just the experience of being alone in nature that early in the morning was mm. really magical. And so, you know. Did you just do like a 20 minute moan? Is that I what did. I was just hearing? Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was, I was I, just like, mm. you were imagining it, right? The caress of the gentle water, lake waters. Yeah. So I did it and it felt awesome. And, you know, I've been swimming a lot since, but not that kind of like early morning dip. Yes. Um, I don't know what came over me. I just like dressed and walked to the shore and went for it. Hoping my other kid wouldn't wake up and like not be able to find me. So <laughs> that's my story. Wow. I enjoyed my plunge. I might try to do it again. Yeah, it was cool. And, I, and you know, it resonated with me as after having all these conversations on this show. 
Yeah. Do you think you'll do it again? Certainly. I I had this like fantasy that I would be waking up early every morning and like swimming away. And that hasn't really happened, but I do think um one I do like to swim every day I, because it's like such a gift to get to be near the water and Yeah. um I just feel like it's really good for my soul to swim. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a former swimmer, and I'm not talking about like, you know, like exercise speed swimming. I mean, although it is great, you know, feels good in my to move my body, but just the feeling of like, I don't know, water is so meditative and calming and mm, magical. It really is. It really is. And also like natural bodies of water. Yeah. Look, Dory, I love a lake. Lakes are freaking great. And it's taken me a long time not to be scared of the bottom of lakes. So now I'm just, uh, I'm leaning into lakes. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So I need you to talk to me because you're in a rut. I feel like I'm in a rut. I think I'm in that post-book launch, post-vacation, post, 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 mm-hmm. like, you know, I had a lot of things that I was focusing on for a while. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not focusing on like the podcast, but oh, I see how it is, Dory. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? Like, oh, a hundred percent. Kind of like big other things that were taking up. You know, when, like when when we were on vacation, we had no childcare, so I was like f- totally focused on Henry, like pretty much the entire time. I didn't really have time to think about anything else. Um, And then in the weeks prior to that, I was really focused on my book launch and didn't really have time to think about other things. And now I feel like I'm just sort of like at loose ends a little bit. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. I don't know exactly what to do. Do you have ideas? Yeah, I do. Um, so actually a conversation I had with my oldest daughter who had spent a month at sleepaway camp um, and had never done anything like that before. And I picked her up and, and I had gone to sleepaway camp as a kid. And one thing I said to her, I was like, you know, it's, I, I often feel really depressed. I would feel really depressed as a kid when camp was over. It's such mm. an intense experience and I- intense and like you're experiencing homesickness, but you're also experiencing these massive friendships and, and yep. then when it's over, the quiet, like you just, you, you get down, you get depressed, yeah. you get into yeah. a rut. And, you know, I don't, she hasn't expressed whether or not she's going through that right now, but I just was kind of wanted to give her the heads up. And I think, honestly, Dory, you just kind of have to be in it and mm. not try to get yourself out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that to me feels like trying to climb out of a hole where the walls are covered in Vaseline. Like you're not, you just have to kind of be in the rut, do rut things, like let yourself putter around and do nothing or just veg out or feel yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah, I think you, yeah. because you have to have the lull and mm-hmm. honor the lull and honor mm-hmm. the feelings that are coming up in order to then mm-hmm. transition to the next phase. Mm, so, so just wise, just rut, just be in the rut. Because what's wrong with being in a rut? What does that mean? Like, what does it mean to you to be in a rut? I need to know. What does that mean? Like, what does it look like? I think I just don't like being in such a sort of like negative headspace. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I just don't like how it makes me feel. I know. 
you know? So it's more that than like feeling like I need to be productive or something like that's not really it. It's more just like, I don't like feeling this way. I know. I know that is hard. That feeling of like, ugh. I don't want to have yeah. these thoughts. I don't want to have these and feelings. You know what? You know what else it is? I, like everything is everything is annoying me, and everyone except for you is annoying no, me. No, I might annoy you just a little bit. You rarely annoy me. Wow, that's that's an accomplishment because I, I know am kind of annoying, honestly. And I get annoyed easily. So look, look at, at that. Two peas in a um, pod here. Yeah, like I was just, I don't know. I'm just sort of like, and I don't like feeling irritable, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't want to get depressed because that's like depressing and hard to get out of. And Do you have a thing that like kind of lifts you up when you're feeling down? Like, is it is it getting outside? Is it well, going so for a walk? Oh, it, I, I'm not in California. I don't know what yeah, you're it's very. It, it's like, it's hot and it's very sunny. So like, Going outside for a walk, I mean, I could go kind of at dusk, I suppose, um, after Henry goes to bed. But yeah, during the day, it's not like pleasant, really, to go for a walk, because the sun is so strong. Um, So yeah, so that's not really it. I don't know. Yoga? Question mark. <laughs> like I, I, yeah, I don't know. You know, could you give yourself over to a book or a TV show? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm still slogging through Outlander. <laughs> oh yeah, just reread those sex scenes. Maybe I just, maybe I, I was, I was thinking like I'm on book five. I think I need to take a break after this because it's just yep. like, yep, it's like too much, too much. I need something lighter. And not as crisis driven. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. That's just, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Just wanted to share. Well, okay. I appreciate you sharing. And if people have rut solutions, I'd be curious to hear them. But I'm also, I, I think it's, I think you raise a good point. No, like you don't want to, you know, I, fall into a depression. Yeah. So how do you find the balance there? Yeah. And I think I don't want to, I think sometimes when I feel this way, my tendency is to like blow things up, not literally, but like figuratively. And I don't want to like make a decision or say something that I am like, oh, why did I do that? You know what I mean? I think I'm also PMSing, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is like not helping. So, ooh, that's a fun combination. Yeah, it's really great. It's really great. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> well, I feel like listeners must have a good suggestion on how they handle their ruts. Right? I mean, I feel like we have given advice to people who are in ruts, but like, I know, but it's always like so much easier said than I done, right? No, it's so hard to like take your own advice. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Like, it never works. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, well, we'll, we'll stew on it, but while we do that, we have a really wonderful interview to share with you all. We do. We really do. I loved every second of this conversation. 
And we talked a lot about the experience of being childless by choice and the way Mm -hmm. that decision is received by the larger world, as well as your own community. And it was just a really powerful and inspiring conversation. Our guest today is Donna Freitas. And she, if you're not familiar with her, she is a Brooklyn-based author of fiction and nonfiction, as well as a memoir and novels for young adults and middle grade readers. Her newest novel is The Nine Lives of Rose Napolitano. She's also a professor and researcher on topics related to sex on campus, Title IX, and sexual assault, as well as social media and young adults. She's been a professor at Boston University and in Hofstra University's Honors College and is currently on faculty at Fairleigh Dickinson University's MFA in Creative writing. So we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will be talking to Donna. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass, but this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now they dissect issues women face in the U.S., and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college, so this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass, because this is the year you can really learn from the best to Become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss, or Think Like a Boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events, there's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. 
The Superpower Short Smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite honey love piece. Let me, let me just tell you why. Yeah. Get into it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just (laughs) going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes. That's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, Oh God, like get this off of me. No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin. Is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not 
what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to forever35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. All right. Um, so Donna, we'll just get started. Um, we're going to share your bio with our listeners before the interview runs in the, before the segment. So we will just mm-hmm. start chatting, asking questions about self care, your book, the eternal pressure on women to have children, which I think is going to resonate <laughs> with our audience yeah. very deeply. So I, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Oh, my self care stuff is really complicated. <laughs> Is it really? Okay, so Great. so Donna, we love complicated self-care practices. We do. The, we really the more do. detail, like you can take a full 30 minutes if you want oh, to describe I'm, it. I'm complicated. Like I have, I'm like, I'm self-care challenged. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, which we can talk about. Well, yes. great. Let's get into it. <laughs> what are, what are, what is the self-care practice that you, that, takes a while. What, what do you do? Uh, well, I'd say the thing that makes, well, so I, I just mentioned that I feel like I'm self-care challenged. Um, I think the thing that makes, uh, my life most complicated in this regard, like I remember when, um, when I knew I was going to talk to you guys, I know you talk about like skin stuff and like all kinds of different, you know, kinds of like body self-care and, I was one of those people who was born um, allergic to the world. (laughs) So I'm like allergic to self-care or like when it comes to like products. And so I'm one of these people who is, you know, I've had the same moisturizer since I was like 18. I go and I like, I, I can't try anything else. You know how people give you those nice gifts sometimes where there's like body lotions and shampoos and None of that, you know, for me. So I think I, I spend a lot of my life trying to hold off <laughs> self-care products. 
um, because I'm often allergic to them. And so I would say I do think a lot about self-care, but I've or I feel like I have a lot of self-care rituals, but they're they've had to be sort of not related to my body and more like my Mm. mental health, because a lot of products I think that people use for their bodies don't work with me. What are some of your mental health practices? Go on. We this is a hot topic for us as well. What like being allergic to everything or just well no no I mean (laughs) mental mental health care as mental health care is self care not to rhyme everything but that is I mean I think one conclusion we Dory and I have come to in doing this podcast for a little while now is that ultimately that is where the real beneficial self care work lies. Yeah. So I'd love to hear what you do on this front. Well, so I have the sort of like tiny things and then I have the sort of bigger things. So I'll start with the tiny things, which is so, for example, I often have a vase of flowers in my line of sight. Like I can see one right now. Peonies are in season and they're my favorite. And I feel like I just feel this burst of happiness when I look at them. And so like certain flowers I'll keep like in my line of sight when I'm working. So I would say that's a small one. And then the other thing is I'm just surrounded by color. Um, I really love bright color. Like it actually makes me feel joy. And I have like, this was like one of my favorite things. I have this, um, this like pink ottoman. (laughs) So my my husband tolerates these things, but so I, um, (laughs) and I have like a, like an eggplant colored, like gravity blanket. That's one of my self-care things. I like to be bundled like a a baby. (laughs) So, So those are sort of the smaller ones. And then I think the bigger ones are, I am really, I, I've realized in the last few years how much walking, uh, like just walking is a huge part of my life. Like I live in the city. I start to deteriorate when I'm not in the city. Like I'm not a car person. And I I really, I feel like, you know, actually getting up and walking to the store to buy a lemon as part of my mental health, as opposed to driving in a car to buy the lemon, I forgot. And then I'd say the other thing revolves around my relationship to social media. So th- that's a whole range of of issues. <laughs> I'll stop there. We're we're going to talk about <laughs> social media, or I, we would like to talk about social yeah. media um, later on. Because so let's circle back to your self care social media practices, because you are an okay. expert in the field of how social media affects our mental well being and. Uh, I can speak for myself when I say that is something I have struggled with nonstop since the introduction of Friendster. <laughs> I remember Friendster. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, people of a certain age will remember Friendster. Um, well, Donna, just out of curiosity, what is the moisturizer that you've been using since you were 18? It's super lame. It's just the one I'm just, it's like one of the only ones I'm not allergic to. It's just called Moisturel. It's like one of those ones that your dermatologist will recommend if you are allergic to everything. And there's a couple of them that they'll recommend, but that's the one, that's the only one that works for me. So Moisturel, like you, you buy it at the drugstore. (laughs) That's perfect. I mean, you're not the only person who I'm sure has this 
experience with allergies to products. And also what I find interesting is that you've been using the same product since you were 18. Like you're almost like a, um, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> like you're like, could you be proof that products are just all BS and marketing, right? Like you've been using the same thing since you were 18. Your skin looks great. Maybe you don't need oh. all the extra <laughs> bells and and whistles. Like maybe we're all trapped in a, um, a capitalism skincare frenzy. I don't know. I mean, I always feel like it would be so fun to be able to partake of all these different things. But I mean, part of how I discovered that I could only use this one thing, or I just had to find this one thing and use it was because I was using I was trying to use all these other products. And my body was just like not having it. And I was, you know, in this really, really miserable place. So I have eczema like really bad eczema. And um, so for those of you listening who don't know what eczema is, it's like you're allergic to your own skin. And um, and so I just, I, I finally found a doctor, but also I found a roommate. I found a roommate who was like, I feel your pain. We're going to fix this. And she was sort of the person who was like, you're going to try these three moisturizers. One of them's going to work, you know, and, um, you know, you're going to buy a filter for your shower. You're going to like, she, she had me like do all of this stuff, like really basic stuff to make sure that I wasn't getting, um, anything, you know, uh, anything perfumed or problematic coming near my skin. And within, for the first time in like three years, within like a month, my skin was clear. Like I was just like, it was like I was a new person. So I will feel eternally grateful to this woman who helped me. (laughs) That's amazing. I know. What what a powerful uh, story of friendship. Like how we often get our information that actually does help us is from, you know, people in our lives. Yeah, well, so she of, she had really, really bad eczema, and so she was like, "Here's what you're, you know." She knew what to do, and but I've literally I've just never veered since then, and it's, you know, the other thing I just you know keep myself out of the sun. I don't like to walk in the sun. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the other big thing. So. Yeah. Um. Well, Donna, let's talk about your new book, "The Nine Lives of Rose <laughs> Napolitano." Um. Could you share with our listeners just kind of a brief synopsis of the book? Yes. Uh, I've been told that my my synopsis is weird or that other people would do a different synopsis, but I'll just give you my synopsis. So my synopsis is Great. that um, it's, my novel is about Rose Napolitano and she's never wanted children and her marriage has come to rest on whether or not she'll change her mind. And so... The book follows nine different versions of Rose and some she has a baby and some she doesn't. And all of them, she is dealing with the pressures society's pu- society puts on women to have children. And then if they do have children about what they're doing, you know, as mothers mm-hmm. and also marriage, career, friendship, her own relationship with her mother. So, but, it, you know, I think the, the book really turns on this fight she has with her husband at the beginning of each of her lives about kids and how how the outcome of that fight. So that that's my synopsis. I, mean, I think you summed it up really well. I'm only about yeah. halfway through, but that feels very on point. Um, yes, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and 
I would love to hear about your own, you know, as I get further into the book, I'm starting to realize that there's a lot of connections to your own life. So could you tell us where this kind of first seed of an idea came from? And if it did come from personal experience? So I I mean, as a writer, I tell all my students, you know, I feel like you you start with you start with what you know, and, and then you sort of go from there. And I like I always yeah. think of um when I'm writing, when I'm beginning something new, it's like I'm I'm taking something that's mine and I'm giving it away to my characters and seeing what they do. And so I feel like I gave Rose this dilemma and I got to watch her, you know, explore it in nine different ways. And she really lives out the fantasies and fears that I had when I was struggling with this issue. And so I was in a situation, you know, in, in my marriage where um, I went into my marriage, like, saying like, I'm not going to change my mind. I'm not having kids. I'm not going to change my mind. You can't go into this marriage thinking I'm going to change my mind. Like, please don't think I'm going to come around. And and then my husband, a few years into the marriage, changed his mind and tried to get me to change mine. And it was really hard. <laughs> so um, Rose was really born eventually of, of like all the sleepless nights I had of what if this what if this like watch me like watch me get pregnant and then run off and have an affair because i'm mad <laughs> like you know just you know watch watch me get pregnant and be happy you know and be totally like think this is the best thing ever like watch me refuse and have my whole life fall apart and so um so i feel like in many ways like rose grew from that dilemma in my own life and then you know she 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 also grew out of all the different fantasies that I had. And like, if only I could have lived all those out in real life to see how they went. But, you know, we only get one right. life. So. So, yeah. So. Um, so it's very personal to me. But also Rose's story is is, you know, it's fiction because I didn't get to live all those lives. Very sad. Yeah, maybe if only we were cats. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but we're not. But but I do love how you explore all these different paths that she could take just from this one moment. Um, it's incredibly powerful. And it's really just, you know, like the born from this idea that this woman knows she does not want to have children. And, you know, you wrote a really eloquent piece about this recently about your own decision not to have kids and that you were very clear on this from the start. I like how you describe it too in this piece. It's like, I don't like this food or like, I'm not attracted to this person. I don't want to have kids. Mm. I would love to hear about how you were treated because of this. Um, and maybe if you've heard from other people, kind of how women or women who do not want to have children are treated and how it impacts you emotionally and uh, impacts how you are able to live your life. I mean, I think they um, they titled that piece like "Why is it such a big deal for you know women um, yeah. to to not want children?" That was the piece I think you're referring to from the Times of London. Yes. And I mean, you know, I've I've actually been interviewing women. I just started to start interviewing women who don't want children. Um, I don't know why I haven't done this before. I mean, I do national studies about stuff. <laughs> I kind of can't believe it took me this long to like think of <laughs> that as a as research I might want to do, but. Um, you know, it felt it felt more okay when I was in my 20s and early 30s. Like I could just be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And no one really, I mean, people were like, oh, you'll change your mind. But they weren't, they weren't like angry or like really pushy until I got into my mid 30s. And as like I crept toward, 
you know, as I got up there in my upper thirties, <laughs> it's like people started to people around me started to realize like, oh, she's really not going to go through with this. Mm. <laughs> like, it's like as my biological clock started like waning, people started getting really like just pressuring me and talking to me about it and really trying to get me to change my mind in ways that I found incredibly offensive and, and problematic. And, you know, some of the um, some of the women I've started interviewing for this project are like they're in their early 30s and they're like, yeah, like I'm not doing this. Like I've known since I was 12. Like, I, And I'm like, oh, it's so nice mm. to meet other women who feel that way, because I feel like I don't I don't often meet women who feel that who, who feel like, oh, I knew this from the beginning. And, um, and I'm, you know, a part of me is like, oh, wait until you get older, it's going to get harder. Or, or maybe this generation is changing. Um, cause I, I do know that the older that I got, the harder it was. And, um, you know, I think we love to judge women in our culture for anything, you know, you're sort of damned if you do, you're damned if you don't on this issue. If you don't want children, you're judged yeah. as, as selfish and, um, self, you know, selfish, self-centered, um, like you have all the wrong priorities, like you're going to regret it. These are some of the things that people tell you like, oh, you're um, I just actually heard twice in the last week. This is one. I'll just say it's one of my pet peeves, actually. So I'm just going to say it. But I've heard say two it. writers. I've heard two writers in the last week talk about how they felt like they, you know, they really couldn't have, um, like, it was really important that they had become a mother to their writing, that it gives you this, like, window of experience that you never would have had otherwise, and that it was, it made them what? better writers. Like, I feel oh like that's God. something that you hear a lot <laughs> as a writer, that becoming a mother will make you a better writer. And it's one of those things that I can't help. Maybe that's true, but I also can't help bristling at it. Um because I then I it's hard for me not to think, well, what is that? Does that mean my writing life is over because my experience yeah. is going to be mm. so limited and narrow? Or and then I try to come up with what is my answer to that? And I'm like, well, maybe people might think the window of experience I'll have access to, like the loneliness and despair will make me a better writer <laughs> and the regret for missing my biological window. Perhaps that will make me a better writer. Am I allowed to say those things? Yes. Yes, you are. And I mean, one that is just so untrue. I can say this as a writer with kids. I'm not better. (laughs) If anything, it makes me worse. But it's just the amount of nonsense that you have had to, that you as an individual, and I think any woman who makes this choice has to endure is is mind-boggling and it's so it's such a it's comes out of all our mouths i'm sure i've done it too that you don't even think about it. it's such a natural part of societal conversation to inquire about when people are having kids if they want kids why they don't want kids i mean i think about like the narrative around jennifer aniston for the last 30 years and about how she never had kids and she's lonely and sad and it's like mm. or she's living her best life <sighs> How does how does one who doesn't want to have kids like how do you put up how do you put up with it and how do you shut people up because the stuff that is put upon you is feels or to me as an observer endless I mean you know since I've really just closed the door on this issue and since I've gotten older 
getting up there. Um, they put they put the wrong age, by the way, in the Times of London. It's like the first thing. It's like right under my picture. They put my age, and I'm like, come on, Times of London. And also, you got it wrong. They put me as older than I am. But anyway, okay. whatever. <laughs> I love how like, they put my age. It's like Donna Freitas, 49, and does it without children. I'm not 49. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it's like, they have, I don't know. There's something about, um, England and the UK. They always want to know women's ages, which I think is pretty cute. But well, that's like kind of part of the whole conversation, right? Like, <laughs> well, then they get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they, they needed to know that I was well beyond my biological clock here. I think they wanted to make oh that point. God. They wanted to be like, <sighs> it's Jeez. over for her. She hasn't had kids <laughs> anyway. So if anyone was wondering, but, um, I think it's gotten easier the older I've gotten because people realize that ship has sailed. Like it's not happening. Mm. And so they, you know, I think they're like, all right, well, like we tried and she, now she's just going to grow into an old maid. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be like um, Mrs. Bates eventually. And, you know, in Pride and Prejudice, everyone will be sad for my loneliness um, and being sarcastic. But I mean, I think my, my friends are very supportive and, I think for me, just, I feel so certain about my decision. Like, I feel really glad that this is the choice that I made. I don't have any regrets. Like I used to have so many fears, which, you know, Rose, um, my character Rose was really born of a lot of the fears that I had about what if I do regret it? What if, what if I find out like on the other side of this, that I should have had a baby and that I didn't, what will my life be? And, you know, I'm on the other side of that question and I really love my life. And I think that that's the biggest, for me, that's the biggest reply to those critics. And one of the things, you know, because I'm on the other side of this decision, I had felt like my, like the cacophony around me had really gone quiet. And then um, since Rose came out a couple of months ago, I can't tell you how many women have written me about, um, wow. you know, over Instagram into my email, just about how this is the first time they felt seen in a novel. And I was like, wow. And I had this young woman recently, um, I drove her home for a wedding randomly. And um, I had just met her that day. And I drove her back to Brooklyn. And in a car, she told me she didn't want children. Uh, just randomly, she had no idea that I'd written a book about, you know, about a woman who didn't want children. And, and then she launched into this before I could say anything, she launched into this whole like, reasoning of like, anticipating all my responses to her about how like, she knows that she might change her mind, like she went through this whole list. And then I was like, stop. I was like, here's the deal. I was like, stop wasting your mental energy on trying to justify your decision. If you know this about yourself, then just accept it and embrace it and celebrate it. And I was like, because you can be a happy and fulfilled woman, I promise you, like without kids. And she looked at me and she was like, no one has ever said that to me before. And then she said, where are the rest of you? And I spent like the next, I can't stop thinking about the fact that, um, like, I realized that no one has ever has, has ever said that to me. Like, you can be a happy and fulfilled person without children. Like, I've said it to myself. And also, where are the rest of us? Like, that's part of why I started, like, yeah. talking about it online. So I didn't really plan to actually be so open about not having children. But I've realized how important it is to other women to see women who don't have them. That was a very long answer. I'm sorry. 
No, it's fantastic. It, it makes me it makes me wonder how um women who do have children can be allies, you yeah. know, in this in this effort. Do you have oh, thoughts on that? That's such a nice thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's a really great question. I mean, I think you know, I've said to a few of my friends, like since I had this conversation with this young woman who ended up in my car. Um <laughs> Who wrote me after? Like she wrote, I told her before she got out of the car, like I gave her this big hug. We were both vaccinated. Give her this big hug. And I was like, I will have lunch with you or coffee or drink anytime you want. If you need to like revisit this conversation. I was like, okay, I'll be the woman without children. <laughs> like I'll be going Aww. into like ahead of you and like letting you yeah. know how this is going. And, um, and so she wrote me the next day and, and thanked me for saying that. And I was like, wow, okay, this was really meaningful to her. And it was really meaningful to me. And, I've said to a bunch of my friends, like this issue about like, no one, no one, like not even you all <laughs> have said to me, like Donna Freitas, like sat me down and like put their hands on my shoulder and looked me in the eyes and said, you know, it's okay. You don't want children. You are, you can still be happy and fulfilled. And just really, I think said it like they mean it. And it's not that I feel like my friends haven't believed that, but I don't know that anyone realized I needed to hear it. And I really needed to hear it, like when I was in my 30s, especially. And I believe it myself now because I'm, I think, because I just feel confident in my life. But I think it would be really helpful if women could support that choice in general, like as a choice, but also as like a worthwhile, like life decision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... A question we get a lot, a lot from listeners is like, how do I know? Like, I don't know if I want kids. What do I do? You know, I'm this age and we have the kind of challenging aspect of our bodies to go along with this decision. Like there is this kind of feeling of um, time always running out. And mm -hmm. I, I think about as a, as a parent, I think about like ways to answer that a lot because I, I personally believe that you you what like what you said you can be happy and fulfilled and experience like mater maternal instinct in so many ways that don't involve having your own children and i and it's interesting seeing rose kind of grapple with this too in in the the lives that i've experienced so far in the book um but yeah i think that conversation had by all people is so so important not just people who are childless by choice but um people who aren't because it's it is freaking like you don't i don't know having kids and not being sure about having kids is a really like that's a challenging position to be in as well well i think all the all the lives right like all the different choices that we make whether we have kids or we don't yeah. whether we're married or not whether we're, we get divorced like oh that's a whole other conversation mm -hmm. divorce <laughs> but um you know, I think they're all complicated choices. And I think it gets hard when you don't have a model for what you're doing. And I think, I mean, I think this is sort of the issue is, I don't really know if anyone around me, like, truly believes me, like, or truly believes that a woman cannot have children and live a happy life. Mm, that is yes. the thing is like, because I also I don't know where those older women are who can like, confirm that for me. And it's it's almost like, having faith in God or something like you're like going forward, and you're you're going into the unseen. 
and you um, you you're hoping that you made the right decision. And, you know, but you don't necessarily have all of these women you can point out and be like, look at her. She has done it this way or look at her because most of the like we talk about motherhood all the time, but we don't talk about women who make this other choice. And so, you know, I don't really know like my I, I don't have any friends who have chosen not to have children the way that I do. I have two friends who don't have children who still maybe have time to who will if they can. And I think we'll probably try to have children in other ways, no matter what. So but I don't know anyone else like me, like in my friend group, even though I live in Brooklyn, and I think there are probably a lot of women in Brooklyn that don't have children. And, and so it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, like, I, it's, it's, I wonder if people really believe me or if they doubt when I say that I do feel happy now. Cause you know, we like to doubt everything women say too. <laughs> so we had Glynis McNichol on the podcast a couple years ago and she wrote a book called no one tells you this about her choice to not have children and also um, being single in her forties. And she kind of said the same thing. Like I'm really happy. Um, and it's, but it's hard to convince people that I am happy, which just, I think just says so much about, you know, these societal expectations that we put on women and these expectations that I think so many women have internalized, right? Like that's, that's what I find especially challenging sometimes. Well, I think one of the things that people talk about is how you've never known love until you look in the eyes of your baby. And you know, like people say that to you. Like people say that. No, I know. That to me. I know. I know. It's it's Maybe so it's true. it drives me crazy. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it might be true. Um, but then that would also mean that I will never know that kind of love. I, and I guess that's the implication when people say that to you is that if you don't do this, you will never know love like this. And mm. and so I guess that's the choice that I made. But it always feels really. It's hard to hear things like that or or like the one I said before about, um, you know, motherhood may be into a better writer or mother. You know, it's so important that I became a mother to my writing. And, you know, I, I, I think that any avenue of our experience, whether it's becoming a mother or perhaps not becoming a mother or, you know, grief, so loss or divorce or like, you know, every powerful and life-changing experience that we have really adds to who we are as as people as humans but also as you know in the art that we create if we're artists so like if if you're a writer or a painter or whatever and but i mean just because i think like divorce opened up an avenue in in my yeah. own writing but that doesn't mean that i would advocate it for everyone <laughs> you'd become a yeah. better writer if only you get divorced <laughs> <laughs> so, tell my husband that and see what he thinks but i mean it's sort of like akin to you know like you know you would become a better totally. writer if you became a mother and okay well you should become divorced and then let's see how it goes yeah your writing will be great uh there's it's just like this whole element of gaslighting too that it comes along kind of a a cultural gaslighting i mean like in the book i feel like luke uh rose's husband who speaking of divorce there is that part of one of her lives um it, it's he's almost i mean correct me if i'm wrong but it feels like he's gaslighting her through a lot of these experiences and it's a 
in their conversations of kind of like, but I said I didn't, but maybe, but this, but that. And, and I, I wonder if that's kind of like a larger cultural experience too for people who make the choice not to have kids is there's, like you're saying, you're kind of gaslit into being, mm-hmm. to questioning your choices and your wants and your desires uh, as an individual. Well, uh, you know, one of the, I, I mean, I do think that there is, I was just writing this morning about this topic and I wrote this line. It was like, it's like, there's a conspiracy against us. It's like people are conspiring to make sure that women like me don't exist. So I think there's a kind of attempt at erasure, right? Like you have decided you're not going to accept that a woman mm. can be a woman and not do this thing. And so you do everything you can to change her mind. And, you know, even like I, I wrote in the times article about how, like even my, my doctor at one point, like, was really like insistent that I was like, I had to take these like pills and whatever, because I would probably end up having a baby. And I was like, no, I'm not <laughs> like, I'm not going to take these vitamins. Like I'm not with that, you know, the vitamins in the book. But anyway, I was like, I just stop telling me I need to take pre-medal vitamins because I'm not going to do this. And so, um, but I, I think one of the things I know one of the things that it created in me was this sense of um, fear or or just madness. Like, you know, what if I don't do this? Like it created a panic in me yeah. because I felt really certain, like really certain to my core that I did not want to do this thing. And what I was being told all the time as I got older was I was going to regret I was going to regret like stay like insisting that I didn't want to do this and that it was, you know, all these things were going to happen if I didn't change my mind. And so I think it felt like there was this effort to make sure that I didn't follow through by the time I was getting up into my late thirties. And it was really panic inducing and frustrating and maddening and enraging. Um, But going back to Luke, you know, I think one of the things that, um, one of the things a lot of people have said who've read the book is that they've they've actually never read a, a male character, like a husband character that is the one who's insisting on the children, that they mm. feel like the archetype is, it's, it's never the man who changes his mind, it's always the woman mm. who forces the issue. They mm. thought it was really interesting that the roles, they called it like the roles were reversed. I've heard that a lot. And I did think a lot though about um like one of the things that happens when I write my novels is I feel like the first draft is like the draft that I needed to get out of me. You know, it's like the one that was like, you know, like all the cathartic draft. And um, I was very angry at Luke in the first draft of the book. (laughs) And so then I had to work really hard on Luke in subsequent drafts Mm. um, because I had to make him better. But one of the things that that was good about that was that I spent a lot of time you know, thinking about, well, like, why, why is it isn't like, it isn't really that terrible that a man changes his mind. I mean, like, there's a way in which how can you really know in your 20s, that, like, this huge deal, like, maybe some people don't, like, I think, I like, I, I don't know that, like, it's codified by the time you're 28. Like, maybe for some of us, it is we know what we want with regard to children. But maybe we don't maybe at 28. We're like, traveling and doing other things. And we can't even imagine it. But at 35, it's all we can think about. And, you know, I think in some ways, it's, it's really frustrating that this, um, that he changes his mind, and it feels really unfair to Rose. But also, it's really tragic. Because 
I think that happens. Like, I think people do change their mind about this thing. I don't think that there's like, there's a way that you can create a fail safe in a marriage that this one thing about me is never going to change. I mean, you, that's what marriage yeah. is, right? I don't know if both of you are, are married or not, but like, I feel like we are. part of what happens in marriage and part of what's hard, what makes it hard to ride out a marriage over the course of a life is that major things can change you that you didn't anticipate. And some of those can be tragic because they can end up ending your yeah. relationship. And so, you know, I mean, and we're humans, right? So mm. uh, like, it's hard. I think it's hard to hold someone to one particular lifestyle or choice for their entire lives. Like if it's really hard, you know, being married is really hard. Staying married is really hard. And that's one of those deal breaker things. The kids thing is yeah. really like it's, you're either going to do it or you're not. Yeah. And if one person decides like, this is what I have to have in order to live a happy life, then and the other person doesn't want to, then, you know, it's, it's a rough situation. So I guess I'm, I'm trying to advocate that Luke is not a total villain that like we should have sympathy for him too. Yeah. Yeah. Okie dokie. Let's take a break and then we will be back in a flash. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. Visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. All right, we are back as promised. 
just to switch gears a little bit, you mentioned that you have social media self-care practices and you wrote a whole book called The Happiness Effect on how, uh, how social media is driving a generation to appear perfect at any cost. And I know it was based on work you did with some of your college students, but I definitely feel like that applies to myself as a 42-year-old person. Um, so I, I would love to hear how, what boundaries you set with social media in order to maintain self-care with it. Well, it was funny I did that research. I did it because um, my own students and some of the students that I talked to when I like travel around to talk about my research were, were asking questions about social media. And then I finally thought, okay, I'm going to do, do this research because my, my students want to know. Um, but I don't have a smartphone. I've never had a smartphone ever. So uh, I have a dumb phone <laughs> and I, and it's, this is one of the things I've really put my foot down on. Um, like I, I really, I do everything on my laptop. I I have, you know, a little sad, it's like actually the phone I have is like the one that, that you get for like your grandmother with the big buttons. Cause that's all that you can find now really. <laughs> so, yep. Um, and so, you know, like my friends know that once I'm out of the house, you know, they, they can call me on my phone or they can text me, but they know not to text me a lot because I have like T9. Do you remember T9? T9 is like, yes, yeah, I have T9 on my phone. <laughs> That's how I text. So I'm not a long texter. <laughs> wow. So mostly people communicate with me over email and, um, and rarely, like, if I'm going to be late, I'll be like, I'm going to be late. I text that out, you know, on my phone. But so that's one of the boundaries that I have set in my life because I feel really committed to, like, when I go out of the house, you know, I'm out of the house. Like, I'm not working. I'm not checking emails. I'm I'm just in the world and I'm looking at people. Actually, um, I mentor, I mentor uh, young writers and um, one mm. of my... Uh, my mentees from last year who I've stayed in touch with. Um, we, we've been taking walks. We'll, I'll walk into the city and we'll take a walk during the pandemic we have. But anyway, I had to go return something at the store and um, at Zara, return something at Zara. And so I went and she came with me. So I went to go do my return and there was like a line to the register. And she was like, do you mind if I look at stuff? And I was like, no. And so she was going around looking and then she came up to me horrified and she's like, oh my gosh, I forgot you don't have a smartphone. I can't believe I left you alone. And I was like, what? And I was like, no. And she was like, but oh what, do, what do you do? And because everyone, it's true. Everyone else in the line was like on their phone. And I was just like, doo, 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 like looking around. And I was like, I don't know. Ooh. I just think. And I look around at people and she was like, really? I was like, yeah. And she was like, you just look around. And I'm like, yeah. And, and I was like, I've been doing this for years. Don't worry. Like, I'm not going to fall apart if I have to like stand in line without a phone. But yeah, so I don't have a phone. And then I just started my first social media account this year on Instagram. And that has been an adventure. And yeah, I think it's amazing that you have um, resisted. I mean, talk about like the peer pressure like about having kids, I feel like there's also the peer pressure, this constant pressure of like to be on social media, to be relevant, to be this, to be that, and to resist it, it gets harder and harder. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I have to go on like little periods where I take breaks and it's, it's hard to be off, especially the more you need it for your work. It's really freaking tough. 
Yeah, I'm no, just realizing I'm, I'm really about. obstinate, aren't I? I didn't have kids. I don't have a smartphone. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, you, no. you know, no, I think you, you know, know yourself. yourself. Yeah. So oh, well, that's a I nice really way of looking at it. That. I didn't like, uh, you know, there was a there was a turning point. I think it was in 2011 or maybe it was 2012 where um, I had had a dumb phone for like nine years and it just mm. never died. And so I was like, well, it still works. So why would I get another phone? And everyone around me by then, most people had smartphones by then. And then I had a book come out. I think it was 2012. I had a book come out and my publicist was like, you need a smartphone. Like you have to be available immediately. <laughs> and yeah. so like there was, and that I feel like that was the summer because that book came out. People were suddenly insisting I needed a smartphone. And I was like, wait a minute. And I think that that was when I was like, no, no, I'm not getting one. Like that was sort of like before I hadn't really decided. It was just I was like, no, I don't need one. I don't need one. And then there was this moment where I was like, oh, no, no, I don't want one, actually. And then this seems to be like the hill I'm willing to die on. <laughs> so um, but I I really I feel like um, so as someone with very little willpower or I, OK, I'm going to rephrase that. Because maybe my willpower is I don't have a cell phone. I don't have a smartphone. But um, I don't really feel like everyone will tell you if you get a smartphone, you can put the settings on it so that you can't check email or you can't do this. And I'm like, that's just crazy. Because this is like the people who that's like the same thing when people tell you, you can just turn off the airport on your laptop. And I'm like, yeah, and then you can just turn it back on in two seconds. And one of the things I do in the morning before I write is, um, well, except in the pandemic, because now my husband's working from home and he doesn't allow this. So I had to get freedom and so I can block my Internet. But before, for years, all I did was I um, I like unplugged the Internet from the wall and it was just off because like I had like I need like barriers. I need like an obstacle course between me and the Internet. So that I don't use it because otherwise I like look at Zillow and I look at houses and I go and like I do mm -hmm. online shopping and I read articles online. And and so I don't or I check my email and I don't do my writing. And so I really need those boundaries or I don't like I, I yeah, like I can't resist. And so I guess this is one of those boundaries I've chosen to have. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in line at Zara returning something and on my checking my email. Like I want to be looking yeah. around and, you know, just hanging out or just thinking. Well, Donna, I feel like we could talk to you for ever. Uh, this has been amazing. We should, we should shout out your Instagram. It's Donna Freitas. Writer. writer excuse me donna freitas yeah. dot writer dot so writer. you know follow donna on instagram in a supportive boundary set boundary set way um but donna where else can our listeners uh find out more about you i have a website it's just donnafreitas.com you can email me because i'm old school and i love emails <laughs> <laughs> so i'm donna marie freitas I mean, donamariefreitas at gmail.com. And I'm really good at answering my emails. So, um, so yeah, I love it when people reach out to me there. But I have really enjoyed readers connecting on Instagram. It's been this unexpected, fun, supportive thing with my book out. It's yeah. kind of nice to know who's reading your book. 
And I just have to learn kind of like with anything, I have to learn how to con- control my usage of it. And just to remind our listeners, your new book is The Nine Lives of Rose Napolitano. And it's really great. Uh, Donna, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. This was so oh, great. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. All right. Well, <clears throat> Dory, I really enjoyed our conversation with Donna. Me too. It was really, and I, 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 um, I ripped through that book. It was really, really interesting and well done. And I definitely recommend it if anyone wants a engaging read. Um, I just thought her book was great, but she was so fun to talk to. Um, she was great. Really, really like talking to her. Okay. Well, here we go. We've got the intentions. We do. I intended last week to journal and to journal in like a um, vulnerable way, mm. not in a like way in which I'm like grading my yep. my writing and worrying about what people might think if they read it. And I did that a couple times. And? I don't know if it feels good, but I okay. did it. All right. I did it. And then I, I worked, I like wrote down some of the feelings that Ooh. have been with me since I was, you know, nine years old. And that was, ugh, that was interesting, yeah. but it felt, but it also felt good. It did feel good. I'm not going to lie. So I'm going to keep trying, trying to work on it. And this week I have an intention that kind of comes from a um, conversation that we've had with a, a listener or rather like an, an email that we received from a listener, which is that I'm eager to experience petrichor. Petrichor, Dory. Quote, a pleasant smell that frequently accompanies the first rain after a long period of warm, dry weather. Mm. Petrichor. Now, has there been... It's... Because I, I, when I was in Massachusetts and Connecticut, it was raining all the time. Has it stopped raining? We had a massive thunderstorm a f- couple nights ago, and then for like the past 48 hours, it has not okay. rained, but I just, my children were listening to the radio because they love like pop hits, um, and normally they listen to like Spotify, but here we're just listening to like an FM radio, and one of those like weather alerts came on, you know, where it's like yeah, that yeah, loud, yeah. long beep, and then it's like, <laughs> yes. and they were like, what is, what is happening? And it was a thunderstorm morning for the county that we're in. So I'm thinking we're going to get more and I can have some petrichor moments. So that's my plan. My plan is petrichor. That sounds fun. How about you? Talk to me about the intentions. Okay, so I was intending to get back into a real life rhythm and instead I fell into a Mm. rut. So I would say my (sighs) intention from last week was not fulfilled. And this week I'm just trying to like navigate either out of the rut or within the rut. Just, Just trying to figure it out, okay? You know, that's all I can say. I love that you just called it rut navigation in our notes (laughs) i mean that's what it is i know and there's like really like having you mentioned the the sensation of being in a rut now i just can't even understand how you get out of one like it's really hard i know 
So you just put on that GPS, that rut GPS, and you just take whatever route feels the best. Like it might be a roundabout route because there might be traffic on the most direct route. Yeah, you might end up going through some rotaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, this brings us to the end. And as usual... We love to tell you that this show, Forever 35, is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partner is Acast. Indeed. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.